joining us for the fourth iteration of the mindful malpractice podcast back again baby let's get it <laughs> we on a roll we on a roll so we're not gonna take up too much of y'all time y'all already know the deal we're gonna get it rocking and rolling and jump straight into our life changer segment so we're changing right. things up i'm gonna introduce it up this time for today's life changer segment we're gonna be talking about a court hearing that just recently happened between OSHA, which is the Occupational Safety and Health Administration versus National Federation of Independent Businesses or NFIB. This court ruling declared that OSHA's authority to mandate vaccines as a part of the workplace regulation was considered unlawful in their exercise of power. And it was going beyond what Congress had originally instituted for that government body. We're gonna talk about what this court kind of what the court rulings kind of show us and let us know about the government's attempts to make vaccine mandates an important part of our society. And then in a broader sense, we're going to talk about vaccine mandates and kind of how we feel about it in terms of our own personal beliefs. Cordell coming from more of a, a loss perspective, so he would get into the litigation of things. And me from a more pharmacy perspective on how I feel about the importance or what the importance of vaccines are and how they can play a role in the work safety environment. So President Biden, uh, through OSHA, um, enacted a policy which would require all private businesses with over 100 employees had to have a fully vaccinated workforce or they would be required for all non-vaccinated workers had to be tested once a week. The case went before the court and the court actually it's instituted a stay basically you know nullifying the mandate for the time being and the rationale behind it was osha has the power to regulate general workplace safety vaccines mandates were more of a personal regulation or you're regulating more the employees versus the actual employer and that's not within osha's power however i mean there is a lot of speculation that president biden is going to continue to pursue this vaccine mandate in one form or another um, so I want to ask you, you know, do you feel that vaccine mandates are a necessity and um, just, I guess, your general opinion about them? Yeah, my general opinion, first and foremost, you know, Mythbuster vaccines help. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of, unfortunately, it's become heavily politicized as of late. Well, pretty much since the existence, I would always imagine it seems like um, science and politics are very closely married. Mm -hmm. But vaccines help, man. And there's tons of data proving their efficacy in, in regards of combating viruses and flus and other pathogens that are highly transmissible amongst the population. When you mix politics with it, people, apart from the science and the objectivity that's clearly backing why you should do something, they decide to do 
the opposite, maybe out of negligence or maybe because that's mm. what their political view says. There are options that a government could pursue to ensure that the workforce is healthy and can go to work without mandating a vaccine. Because once you infringe upon people's autonomy or their right to choose, you know, that's when uh, people get really touchy. And there's certain things that are obviously right and wrong. And those are the kind of laws that we have, which we are supposed to abide by. But when it comes to a vaccine, it is right to get it because it helps. And one would see it as wrong not to get it because you're increasing the likelihood of contracting the virus and possibly spreading it and harming others. But it's not something that's, you know, black and white. I think uh, from a legal perspective, uh, so I will say, you know, my personal opinion, like I believe in being vaccinated, that everyone should get the vaccine. Um, one thing I have learned about the legal field is that a lawyer's opinion doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> it is much so more so can the argument be backed by, you know, the legal precedent, right? Is there legal standing for what you're saying? Under the 10th Amendment, right, which, you know, basically guarantees all rights not explicitly taken by the federal government or the state government are reserved for the people. To the extent that you start to infringe on these more nebulous ideas of rights, you know, you're always going to have constitutional issues forcing people to do things. And I think what kind of gets lost in this whole vaccine discussion is that just because you don't get it, you aren't specifically contributing to other people contracting the virus, right? If you stay home and isolate or, you know, you get tested regularly, you wear your mask out in public or you stay six feet away from a the people, you're also contributing to preventing the spread. Uh, therefore, it is very shaky ground that I feel like the vaccine mandate stands on. Yeah, that's a good point when you talk about mandating it, right? The, the importance and the severity. When mm -hmm. COVID had first, had first came about in, in March of 2020, you know, it wasn't necessarily unprecedented. We've had epidemics before, but it hit us in a manner which we weren't ready for. And so in that timing, if we would have came out with the vaccine within an appropriate manner, I know that Trump had funded um, a plan to expedite a vaccine to be the first one to get it out. If we would have came up with one that was safe, efficacious, we had done an appropriate amount of studies within the shortened or condensed period of time because we're trying to expedite that process. That would have been had good time, maybe December of 2020, when it had first started coming out, or maybe January, February, March of 2021, would have been a good time to mandate it in order to re or jumpstart our economy, right? Mm -hmm. Because everything was shut down. Yeah. So you can see from an economical standpoint why this would be an advantageous decision. Because if everyone is mandated, I feel like you would fast track the, the you would fast track the prevention of the spread. People could get back to a position where they're not working because if you're in a business of 100 and plus, I mean you're pretty you're going to be condensed considering you know the square footage of the facility wherever you're in. Right. And so you would imagine that it's hard for you to stay six foot distant and wearing masks is important, but you know above 100 people is is a good idea to. It's a good number to, you know, justify that it's pretty much impossible to have those those um, non-vaccine non-vaccine measures to prevent the spread of COVID. Mm -hmm. And so here we are in 2020, 
I think OSHA is trying, but something that we had mentioned was that this wasn't under their scope of authority. Mm -hmm. And so I foresee that, you know, within a different regulatory body, I'm not sure which one would be apt to do so, but there would be a way for them to not only get the movement of mandating a vaccine into a feasible process, but I foresee Biden with his position on it, backing that process and it eventually coming to fruition in the near future. I think, you know, a lot of it is going to fall on political lines. Uh, the big issue between wanting to get a vaccine and one actually staying upheld because they can pass one all day. And really in the state we're in, it would probably come to the legislature, right? It would have to be like an actual law that's enacted to pass the vaccine mandate. The problem is, especially with the more conservative court that we, Supreme Court that we have right now, it'll probably get overturned, mm. right? So it's one thing to pass the law, it's another for it to be upheld. I was very much against uh, this method of going about a vaccine mandate just because it would have set a bad precedent, right? And I understand from the moral aspect, yes, it is good for people to be vaccinated, right? But we have to get out of simply the morality of things and look at, you know, what does this mean for the future? Because every law and decision we make affects how future laws are made. Mm -hmm. And if you make a decision that the federal government through OSHA or that body can say, individual personal decisions have a tangible effect on the safety of people around them to the point that the federal government can regulate it. Now you're gonna put it in a position where OSHA, the federal government can decide, you know, what type of hairstyles people can have in the mm. workplace potentially, because it's now a precedent. If we can even make a tangible connection to the health of an entire work environment, right? You know, yeah. that is very problematic for the federal government to make a blanket sweeping policy like that. So it is, it is something that while I believe is good and I would even say necessary, I don't think it needs to be done in this manner on the federal level. I think, you know, these employers should recognize the value of having a vaccinated workforce, right? And they should put in their own measures and say like, hey, you know, if you want to work here, you have to be vaccinated. Yeah, I mean, to go back on, because you brought up a really good point and I, I'm definitely in agreement with that, but it, it kind of, it, it doesn't go against what I was saying earlier, but like, I feel right. in a sense, um, if there was a, ever a way to maybe make a mandate transient, right? Just for the time mm. being, if you could, as a government or a federal body, foresee the extent of which a mandate like this could take into place to slow the uh, progression or slow the spread. And then after, you know, the statistics come down and we see the economy starting to get back up, it can kind of go to the wayside. But I would not want to see, from what you were saying, you know, the precedent take place to where that now the federal federal regulatory bodies have the ability to impose laws on individual rights when it mm -hmm. comes to affecting the health and safety of employees in a workplace. Right. Because then you can kind of, you can kind of, um, I mean, government is tricky, man. They can, <laughs> they can word things in a way where it'll sound good or, you know, maybe mm -hmm. something would arise 
that would um, back maybe some, to your point, maybe a hairstyle, like let's say 4C in the future, a certain hairstyle might be a detriment to a work facility and the government can figure out a way to word that and we have the precedent of this vaccine mandate. I wouldn't want to mm -hmm. see that happen. It's interesting because like and you were talking about, you know, making it transient for a while. And I think to an extent, it would work if we had like a temporary, you know, solution. But the only issue with that is once you're vaccinated, you're vaccinated. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So yeah. you're asking for a, per you know, you're implementing a permanent decision. A permanent on, decision, you know, yeah. That's a good point. I mean, as I was saying, I wasn't even thinking about that. But the vaccine is definitely... A long-term thing, not even an <laughs> indefinite thing. So, you know, there's got to be a, a ways to work around that. But when it comes to mandating the vaccine, I, I don't necessarily agree with that in the sense that you should force someone to do so. I don't, apologies if someone else has claimed this quote already and I'm just stealing it, but, you know, I would go ahead and coin the term. I think the number one of American right is the right to be an idiot. You know, <laughs> if you want to be foolish on your own self, like go ahead. Like, just like the deal yeah. with the, like, remember the movie and the dude had the no regrets tattoo? Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, you know? <laughs> like, That's hey. a fact, though. That's a fact. <laughs> All right, man. I think that was an excellent life changer segment. So, <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, we're going to jump into our social topic. And today, this one was a fan request. So we're really happy to talk about it. But today, we're going to talk about the importance of mental health, not necessarily just from the perspective of you know, the stigma against mental health, because I feel like as a society, we've come a long way in embracing the idea that mental health is important, right? I know with Kevin Love, he had his whole coming mm -hmm. out about, you know, struggling with mental health and things like that. And mm -hmm. of course, you know, even as we progress as a society, you know, we still see people dealing with mental health issues. So I think we want to take it in a little bit different direction. So Bryce, I want to ask you, you know, what are some of the obstacles that have kind of gotten in the way of you prioritizing your mental health? For me, it's been uh, one of the things that is a major obstacle, I would imagine, not only for me, but for anyone who is in a similar position to where there's a lot of things required for me to do throughout the day. And not only that, but there's a, a high level of accountability upon my part to succeed in school, maybe for someone else, whether it be a job, a profession or a relationship. But when you're placed with a lot of accountability, that compounded with having a lot of things pulling your attention. You have, I have school for five hours, I work six hours, and then I have to do the podcast, and then I like to play guitar, read, you know, trying to manage all these things. A lot of times I find that I'm so involved with those activities that I don't really take the time to step back and think, you know, am I happy with where I am right now? Or how am I mm. feeling? What's my mental state? I, you know, the, the, the attention and all the attention and energy is diverted to other things. It's, it's one thing to say that it's important to be present with where you are and fully invested in the activities you're doing. But also in the same sense, um, taking that step back and being retrospective and, and, and being conscious of your mental health is a really important thing. Really the main, the main detriment, not main detriment, but the main barrier to me 
you know, keeping mental health a, a priority on my list is me trying to accomplish all of the things that I have set for myself throughout the day. And if that means I'm upset or I'm cranky or, you know, um, I might have negative thoughts. If I'm getting those things done and I'm checking off that list of, of, the, of the objectives I have, that's a sacrifice I'm willing to take in that certain moment because I believe that, you know, with the goals that I have laid out for myself, short-term and long-term, when I get to the long-term goals that I set, whether those sacrifices I've made has called me some undue hardship, um, in, in, in the mental health aspect, right, I might have cried, I might have been pissed, punched a wall or whatever. But when I get to that long-term goal I've set, I'm hoping that my efforts would have provided me a space to enjoy my life and my mental health would then, um, you know, reflect that. I feel that, um, I think like for me, if I ever you know felt a certain type of way i kind of always felt like my feelings were insignificant to you know say the most it's kind of like okay i'll be over this tomorrow right i'm not yeah. gonna feel this same way and <clears throat> you know i live my life very much like i'm a very regimented person like i like having a set schedule you know i've been using a planner for god knows how long but you mm -hmm. know my days are just mapped out like i'm gonna do this and this and this and this so it's kind of just like it's always like okay this that and the third is important and it's like okay yeah you get to bed and you don't feel good today but it's like just sleep it off you got to be up early tomorrow you'll be fine um yeah. and, you know for the most part that works right but um you know it becomes a thing where sometimes when life does slow down right i get caught in those moments of for example like i like when football ends like the end of football season would always be like sometimes like the worst times for me just because my daily schedule is thrown completely out of whack and it's literally mm -hmm. just me and my thoughts you know and if i'm not in a good mental space at that time of the year you know that can be a rough period the biggest challenge has always been integrating that busy lifestyle with you know things that i actually see are helpful for my mental health mm -hmm. right like you know for me i recognize that one of the ways that i process things really well is working out and specifically working out in a place where I can listen to music. Yeah, that's an important point. And I, I, I agree with that in the sense that, you know, those obstacles, you can transition those obstacles, at least from our, both of our perspectives where being busy is a major obstacle to mental health. Mm -hmm. And you can take that and you can use it to your benefit, right? And try to incorporate things within your schedule that provide you some relief to a mental mm -hmm. state. Like if you feel like you've been in a really bad drought, and you're just not, you're down on yourself and you're getting some dark thoughts, yours is working out as well as mine, right? And so I make sure to get my workout in because I know that's gonna buffer my mental state and allow mm -hmm. me to continue to do those goals that are, do those tasks and the things that are drawing my attention. Emotions are transient, right? And so mm -hmm. you can't really invest, well, you can, but it would be, I don't know if it will be, you know, kind of, paradoxical to invest too much time into your mental state yeah because you get to the point where you know you're you're investing all of your time into your mental state you're not living the life that's around you and, and your, right. your, 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 your emotions are always 
Yeah, your emotions are always going to change. And that's your emotions a lot of times are not only in response to your subconscious, but to the environmental stimulus. And so if you're mm -hmm. not paying attention to what's happening around you and your environment, and you're, you're only focused on your mental status, you're just being negligent to how to, uh, you know, address your mental status in a, in a healthy way. Unfortunately, some people can abuse the mental health response to them not performing or them not working and just as a lack of accountability. And so right. you'll see people, you know, maybe they don't want to work out that day because their emotions aren't good, right? And, and, or their mental space isn't great. They don't want to perform. So if I'm working for a company and this company, I, I'm, I'm the breadwinner for this company. If it's a sports, you're an entertainer, or if you're working in a pharmacy and I'm the one who's managing the pharmacy, I'm responsible for not only the people around me, but for that company. And, and, and that's yeah. reflected with the salary I make. So I feel like there's a level of accountability that comes into play to where I can't just say my mental health isn't good. I don't want to work today. Mm -hmm. or my mental health isn't good. I don't want to perform in this event today. And so it becomes kind of a slippery slope. And I, I know you, you wanted to talk about this and you've seen some things happen. How do you feel about it? Just overall, the biggest thing people need to understand is there's a huge difference between your emotions and your mental health. Mm -hmm. right? Like your emotions are what you feel in the moment. Your mental health is why you feel the way you feel about certain things, why you interpret certain situations the way you do. You can't act on what you feel. You need to act on why you feel it, right? Mm -hmm. And that is how you start to progress and, you know, better yourself. And I feel like a lot of people act on just what they feel. Like, I feel this, so I need to remove myself from the situation in which I feel this. And it's like, no, that's not necessarily the case, especially when you start talking about jobs and responsibilities. You know what I mean? Like, and I mean, the perfect example, like, when it comes to your kids, right? Like, if you're feeling overwhelmed, you can't just stop being a parent. You know what I mean? Right. Like you have a responsibility to that life. So you have to figure out what it is that's causing this underlying feeling. And then on top of that, and it sounds a little bit harsh, but you have to make a determination. Can I do something about that underlying reason or can I not? If you can't change the why about what you feel, then you got to figure out how to live with it and how to build up, you know, self-confidence and self-reliance in other areas. And I think that's where a lot of people People struggle um, you know with this whole mental health topic and that's actually a really good important distinction you have made I know whenever originally the situation where the topic was brought up all of my points were about the emotional aspect and that is only one facet you know mental health can manifest itself in multiple ways you know mm -hmm. a psychological social well-being and it, that can even manifest itself in a physical appearance right you know mm. you, you see someone who has a really bad mental health state you know they can they can just look weak they can look tired they can look debilitated mm. yeah and, it, it, and, it, and that why is a really important point and a lot of times to a, that that why is comes from a subconscious standpoint something i had mm. briefly touched on from the from the beginning a way to address your subconscious is to speak it into existence. You're talking about, you know, self-manifesting, which is a topic a lot of people are into and a lot of people do that, but like seeing things and, you know, trying to feel the emotion that will be elicited from, from that thought. So like, mm. let's say I, 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 I'm sad at the moment, but I think back to a memory 
where I was having a really good time in my life and I, and I reenact that, that, that joy and that emotion. And then I speak it. And then that, that starts to work its way into my subconscious. And then I think about why I'm sad in that moment. And when you realize that that pattern reemerges, you can use that emotion to overcome maybe a, a more transient emotion. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of it comes back to as people, we have become very negative, right? And I think it can be really harmful, you know, to our psyche, to our underlying mental health to always be surrounded and to always expound so much negativity right when that becomes your daily way of life you know you're always on twitter getting into twitter arguments you know you're always getting upset about what you see on instagram tiktok you know you're always having road rage when you're driving you know all these different things when you put so much of that into your life it's gonna take a toll your mental health is probably the most important thing that you have, right? Because it affects the way that you perceive everything around you. So if nothing else, you know, you have to get to a point where you're at least willing to, you know, try to self-reflect and find any way to fix anything about your psyche that you can. And, you know, a lot of people need to go to therapy to deal with that. You know, they need to seek medical help right and it's like and those are great ways of going about it but even so much as just taking this first step and self-reflecting about what am i not happy about what am i upset with myself for what do i wish was different about me and what can i make different about me and if it's mm -hmm. like if i can't how do i accept that that's who i am and if i can how do i push myself to yeah. get to a better place so that i perceive myself and my world in such a in a better light yep i agree man you crystallized it all right well you know i got a little heavy at the end but you know <laughs> we wouldn't be a good podcast if we weren't willing to touch on some deeper subjects you yes know what sir I mean? we have this insight to share it so thank y'all so much for joining us for the fourth episode of the mindful malpractice podcast and always like subscribe comment we have been noticing the, the positive trend on the feedback we love the support we love the encouragement and please feel free we can you can even give us a topic we addressed a fan topic today that's something that we mm -hmm. intend to do you know incorporate the, the back and forth between our community man i'm cordell caldwell as bryson drennan We'll see y'all next week. YouTube and the Spotify algorithm, you know. Smash <laughs> that like button. <laughs> Can't buy it twice, so don't get it as facts. Your music is trash and the feature is tax. How you there, bro, but you still moving packs. How you plan leading the pack from the back? Yeah. All my dogs will attack. Yeah. I don't bang, but I stack. Yeah. Money I bring in the bag. Uh, money I bring in the bag. We securing everything that we ain't never had And we like to pop bags We meet almost broke when I'm looking at the dash Cause I'm driving so fast We came a long way, we ain't never going back Haters always ask how you get it like that I've been working, I've been grinding, you ain't living like that You ain't living like that, yeah I'm just addicted to winning Yeah, this is more than a commitment Yeah, money don't mean that you living Yeah, yeah You know I'ma start what I finish Whenever it's broke, I'ma fix it. Get money and get out your feelings.